You're tuned into the Ox Sober Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 14. So we're here tonight with my friend Glenn. Um, Glenn and I met at a job, the FedEx job. Yeah, we did. And um, it's funny we didn't we didn't know anything about each other, you know, uh, situations. But I think Vern, I was thinking about this, and I think Vern and I were talking. And in confidence, she was, we were, t- you know, just talking and she's like, yeah, you know, I think, you know, yeah, say, say hi to Glenn, you know, like one of those things. He's one of us. And then, uh, and then I went up to you one morning, we just started chatting and then, um, and we had a cool little friendship and we would like just whatever, give a little sentence or two to each other in the morning and a hug and stuff like that. And, um, and here you are now, brother. So thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you had a busy day yes. at, your, at your gym. Yes. So put that mic a little bit closer because I can tell. Is that is that close to your mouth? Okay. Is that good. better? Yeah. So um, you have a gym. We were just talking inside. So you, uh, you left FedEx. You were there for like benefits and stuff like that, which a lot of people do. Yep. And uh, now you're doing your gym thing. So you're Full-time, a personal yes. trainer. What's, personal what's... trainer, yes. I run classes. Uh, I do private sessions, one-on-ones, small yep. groups. Yeah. Lifetime passion of mine I had. Yeah. Yeah. And do you now, uh, you're very open with your recovery. Do you work a lot with people who are in recovery or not? Not, exclu- not a lot. I started off with uh, my first class um, was almost four years ago. I started off with four people from my meeting. Oh, okay. And uh, that was my first class I ever did. It was a Sunday morning. 
and I had four people from uh, one of my, my local Friday night meeting come support me for the class. And then uh, we posted on Facebook, and you know, here I am, three moves later from uh, renting space from somebody else to a 3,000-square-foot place, and now I'm in a 9,000-square-foot place there seven days a week. Dude. Yeah. I mean, right? Right. They talk about things that this program will give you. Yeah, one thing I had different, I think, from a lot of places, obviously, because it was recovery, me being in recovery and the people that were there in recovery, from that first class, uh, they invited other friends and other friends in recovery came. So when somebody new came in that wasn't in recovery, they see people coming in, hugging me. They see people hugging before, like, you know, before class, when they were leaving. It wasn't like your average ordinary gym where people are just coming in and out. There was like so much support and like, you know, so much like love before and after classes, Uh. during classes. So it was like a huge attraction and like, you know, um, with people helping each other finish and all that other stuff, it became a real success through, you know, just, just from what I've done in my own life help change my life and then the people that came in what they were doing for that for their lives and they kind of treat it like somebody new coming to a meeting you know somebody's been coming to my classes for a few weeks a few months they already know the ropes they already know how to do the slam balls they already know how to do the curls so they see somebody new come in like right away they're actually introducing themselves to them you know instead of just making them feel left out off to the side so you know not it wasn't like a meeting but it became somewhat like how meetings are when you see that new people that are doing the work that want to help somebody when they see somebody new at a meeting they always go up to and introduce themselves that's so feel welcome yeah that's a cool parallel like when you think about it that way so it's like what is it is it half and half now would you say Uh, i would say it's a lot less now yeah there's a lot of people in recovery but i mean you know because i've grown so much there's just a lot of regular people but i mean it's still uh it's still based in the same thing. We, we base it huge on support, like supporting the new people, supporting the people that don't finish, you know, as fast as others. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's And that's a cool way, actually, for people who, because um, I talk about it all the time. It's just this disease isn't, isn't um, talked about enough, in my opinion. And that's one right. of the things that drove me to do this is for uh, awareness about, recovery, mental illness. Um, it's things that we need to talk about. So it's cool. Somebody could come to your gym and not know anything about it. And who knows, maybe have a partner or something that's, that's struggling, you know, recovering or, or, or maybe, maybe just hear that, you know, you're in recovery and kind of po- you know, ask some questions that way. Like, who knows? Maybe their brother or sister is struggling and they go to your gym and it's like, wow, this is somewhere I could actually maybe inquire about it. Like, you never know. Yep. It happens all the time. Does it? I mean, yeah. I put my stuff out there. I'm not afraid to to share like where I came from and what I've done in my past. Uh, A lot of stuff's on Facebook, you know, like obviously because my gratitude is so high from where I came from. And where I am now, so it's not, um, I don't hold back on like what my life used to be like. And for a long time, I was always nervous to share that stuff because of what people would think. And yep. then uh, the more I stayed around, the longer I stayed clean, the more work I did on myself, the more that I heard other people talking about like what they used to do uh, inspired me to like, it gave me hope. I'm like, wow, he was like that too. He was just like me too. And then I started to share more and more and didn't realize like as soon as I started talking to maybe like a stranger or somebody new anywhere how much they could relate. 
Like, you know what I mean? You're not even so much about like the situations, but certain feelings that come with different situations. No doubt. No doubt. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about where you've been. Let's talk about where you've been. Um, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing this because I too, I find that, um, and I love how you said that when you heard other people start talking and sharing, um, it, for me, it just, it just made it okay. You know, the, the stuff that I went through, I had bottled up so friggin' deep. Like, it was almost like I didn't even feel that pain. It was so deep. And then, and then I started to feel it as I, as, as it started to come out. But I had that shit tucked away so, so far down because it was just, I don't know. I didn't think it was right. I, I don't know what I thought. You know, I don't know what I thought. But then I started to hear people talk and, and, I knew it was okay, and what a relief! Right, what a relief. So, um, tell me a little bit about it. You were, did you have brothers? You grew up in New Bedford. I, I know that Bedford, about yeah. you. Yeah, my dad was a commercial fisherman. Oh um, yeah, he was out for fourteen days, home yeah. for five. Jeez, what a tough wreck. Tough life. Uh, he actually took one trip off a year. He took the trip off. They would come in for Christmas. And they would go right back out, you know, for New Year's. But he would always take that one trip off. He worked, you know, twenty four seven, you know, every year. Uh, so as I got older, um, I, I lived by two sets of rules, you know, <laughs> when, when dad was out fishing, things were more laxed, you know, when, when dad was home, you know, I had to run a like tight ship, you know, I was scared to death of my father. My father never put his hands on me, but he was a very large, strong man. And, uh, he instilled some, like, uh, some real discipline and qualities in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't put the fear into me, but he let me know he meant business. Like, you know what I mean? He really did. Um, but I have three older sisters. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Me too. Still get treated. Uh, I got still get treated like the baby of the family. Me too. Which is a which is a huge plus. <laughs> yeah, I actually have two nieces. Uh, so there was five girls in the family besides myself. You know, once they got old, I was an uncle at seven. My oldest sister had a. You know, I was seven years old when I first became an uncle. Um, but yeah, typical New Bedford home. My father was a fisherman. Uh, came home and uh, the first day he came home, he drank. And he drank uh, the five days he was in. Mm. The first day he'd be, you know, he'd get his check and we'd, we'd go pull him out of a bar somewhere. And then the rest of the time he'd drink in the basement. We had a furnished basement and uh, that's where he spent most of his time. You know, I'd go downstairs and uh, there'd be empty beer cans everywhere. And um, he really didn't know, he really didn't know um, how to, uh, how to show affection or anything like that. So I basically got all the, the affection and, and love, you know, passed on from my mother and my father did the best he could with what he knew. And uh, we didn't go without food. We didn't go without a, a nice house. He had a brand new car in the driveway uh, every two years. Um, I had a car in the driveway before I was 16. I had mopeds, dirt bikes, go-karts. Uh, his way to show affection and love was uh, was through money hmm. um, because he, that's that's what he knew. Hmm. Um, but to trans back to, uh, you know, I didn't know his father, um, but from what my mom says, uh, his dad used to, he didn't want him to go to school. He worked at a very young age and I always put his hands on my father. My father took a lot of beatings from his, from his father. So one thing my father did break, he broke the, uh, he broke the cycle of, of putting his hands on me and he didn't want me to work. He wanted me to like go to school. You know, he, he was a fisherman and once I can remember when I was 14, 15, I begged him, begged him, begged him, begged him to take me out fishing. Like, you know, I, I, all my friends were doing it. 
Um, but I didn't realize the racket that came along with fishing, you know, going out for 14 days or 10 or 14 days and coming home with a couple thousand dollars to go back out five days later. And, you know, you feel like you're missing a lot and you want to party it up. And uh, that's, you know, the whole waterfront was was full of drugs. You know, it's one thing my father never did. He didn't do drugs, but he did drink a lot. And, now, you know, that was his vice, you know. Um, so I didn't know any better. I didn't mm-hmm. know any, I didn't know anything, you know. Yeah. I just knew that, you know, when it was old enough for me to drink, that it was okay. You know, my, my dad allowed me to, to drink, you know. What was what was old enough? Uh, I started, well, I can remember the first couple of times I drank when I was like 15 and 16 and got like really, you know, like drunk and came home with friends bringing me home. Like there was really no consequences. Like my father, my mother, uh, my father might have been out fishing and she might not have told him. The first couple of times, like, you know what I mean? Then it might have been a point where he was home fishing and I took the risk and got caught and he didn't really, um, he didn't really like yell. Like, you know what I mean? As long as like, you know, I, I was drinking, I was drinking with my friends who weren't driving. Um, I don't, I don't really think it was frowned upon. I can remember when I was a kid, like, you know, when all the guys coming over the house with my father's fishing buddies and like, they thought it was fun. Like when I would grab the beer cans when I was, you know, six, seven or eight, whatever age I was at that time and like finish what was left in the can. They thought that was like funny, like the, you know, raised kid running around drinking the, you know, the little sips off the beers yeah, and stuff. It's, yeah. it, it just, it was like fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was like calmless. It was the fishman. It was yeah. hanging out. Yeah. yeah all my dad's friends, little yeah. Glenn, like little Glenn, you know, drinking now, whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how I was brought up. And, yeah. um, I thought it'd be cool to start drinking with my dad, you know? And when I got to that point where I uh, was able to drive and, and be able to go out into different places, uh, I actually became like his drinking buddy. And uh, he'd come home from fishing, and, you know, I'd be the guy that would drive him around. I wouldn't be drinking and driving. Uh, I, would, I would be taking him from place to place, and I thought it was really cool. And then, uh, you know, before you know it, he'd let me start having, you know, they started letting me have beers underage at the, at, the, at, the certain, at the certain bars or fishermen clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, like we had, you know, at the house drinking. Um, finding out, like, uh, you know, being 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 one person and then uh, introducing alcohol into my system like becoming somebody else i love my mother to death i love her like you know today uh but what i've what i've seen what my father did verbally to my mother i told myself i never ever wanted to be like that um and uh lo and behold alcohol brought me there you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can remember drinking with my dad and like you know you know telling my mom to go fuck off Mm. you know something i would never like you know never say to her at that young of an age, there was there was no reason for me to say it to her, you know. And yeah. then we're like all little signs, you know, knowing that like you know maybe alcohol is not really a good thing for me, you know. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, it changes my whole personality. It changes who I become, you know. Were you aware of? Did you did you know? Like, did you? I had I had a, I had a somewhat of a clue there was an issue. Like my buddies would like you know I'd start drinking Fridays and like they would they would like bail out and go home and I'd, I'd still be looking for that last one, that extra one. Right. Oh, I think my dad's got beers at home at the house. You know, here it is 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, before I was even able to go out to clubs that, you know, the chase, you know, yes. I don't want, why should, why are we ending this now? Like, right. you know what I mean? I'm still standing up. I haven't like fucking fell down yet. I'm not drunk. You know what I mean? I, I know. I just like wanting like every time, every time I put something in my system, it was, wasn't just f- to put it in my system. It was just to get fucking obliviated mm-hmm. every single time. You know what I mean? There was no like, you know, oh, if we're going to smoke this afternoon, then we need something to go with the fucking smoking because I want to, I want to feel even more than that. I don't want to just smoke a joint and drive around. Like, let's go get something to drink, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So the signs were all there, you know, but, uh, 
I, at that age, like I didn't know. I was just having fun. It Same. Was a, it was a blast, man. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. It was and fun. We, exactly. It was fun. We didn't know. It was like we weren't hurting anybody. I wish. And but you know what? Even, I I could say I wish I knew. Like, you know, if I was eighteen and I heard about alcoholism and I heard that about um, allergy, and once I put one ounce in my body I can't stop I, I, I wouldn't have been able to process it I don't no. think I don't think I would have been able to process that it's so um, it's tricky it's almost like uh, I mean some kids do I, I see some kids who go up to recovery and they get well yep. young kids 18 19 you know but it's almost like you gotta go through everything you gotta go through you just gotta go through which is a lot though like more, yep. more than more, more often than not, it's a lot, you know. Yeah, my road was a lot longer and darker than it should have been. So obviously, I started drinking and, and smoking pot, and uh, I got introduced. I was, I was, um, like I said, I was, uh, I was a kid that never wanted it to end. So uh, here I am, two, three in the morning, still drinking, still out, still around. Uh, we had some local guys. Um, we had a couple, a couple guys in New Bedford that were. Uh, that were heroin addicts, you know what I mean? That were always on the corner, um, going nowhere. Um, we knew about it. Like I didn't know that I didn't know the depth of it on how bad it was or what it was. I just knew they were homeless, and you know we'd always give them a couple dollars and always talk shit about them. They were always in the same clothes, always a mess, hanging around the park. Uh, and uh, you know, one night, you know, I'm driving around by myself because all my friends, you know from like after after high school or all like they're done oh fuck this Glenn I gotta go home oh I gotta get up for work tomorrow and here I am driving around the city of New Bedford you know at like uh you know two three in the morning and um you know who do I find I find the two guys that are that are always out that are doing what they normally do and uh I don't know I don't know what I asked for them that night or, or what or what I really wanted but I know uh I wanted to do what they were doing and uh, I ended up doing heroin that night for the first time. I was in my uh, maybe early 20s, 21, 22 years old. And um, I remember I was driving and obviously they, they were homeless. So they were just out and I picked them up and uh, they were shooting heroin. And uh, I told him like I wanted to fucking shoot heroin. Like wow. I, I, I was half in the bag. And wow. I just, you know what I mean? Like I Like just... It was so random and so unplanned and so, I mean, I guess who, who plans shooting heroin for the first time? Like, I guess uh, if I really try to draw back and think about how that night happened, it's, it's definitely something I wasn't looking to do like that morning, you know? Um, so what happened was, is uh, they proceeded to, uh, to go cop. They didn't have any money. So I was like a score, like what they would say now, it's a score for them. You know, this young kid coming around with a pocket full of money. I ended up getting, you know, I don't know what they charged me or what they did to get their fix. But I know that uh, I was in my car and uh, they got me off. And um, the only thing I remember is I, I, I woke up behind a gas station. Um, I was soaking wet from head to toe. My shirt was ripped, my jeans were ripped, uh, and my car was parked off to the side. They, um, I guess I OD'd, uh, and I'll never forget these guys. I've seen them numerous times after that, and even though they were all fucked up and still doing what they normally did, I thanked them a bunch of times. They dragged me out of the car, and, uh, and they called 911, and like, uh, I don't know like, what would have happened if they didn't wow. that night. Um, obviously, they weren't there. 
wow. when the police came. Yeah, you know bailed. what I mean. Obviously, they bailed. Uh, so I woke up to uh, police, ambulance. You know, a firefighter. They they you know they called the whole the whole team. You know there, um, and they they brought me back like right there, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't have to go anywhere. Uh, they, you know, do you do you want to go to like? I had a, the they asked me if I want if I needed to go. Uh, what, I don't know if it was knocking back then or whatever. They got me up and uh, I released myself. I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't wow. have to go to the hospital. Hmm. So I ended up getting uh, I ended up getting home and uh, the next day one of the local cops that knew me, you know, because I'm into the gym and I've always been into the gym and uh, he knew me from the gym. My life wasn't fucking shit. I was just out drinking one night and shot a bag of heroin and overdose and uh, stop he, right there. That's crazy. So. You're having your 21 boozing like I did, like me and my buddies did, and then friggin' one night, just you thought to yourself, "I'm." Uh, it just you, ha- you. There was nobody else to party with. Wow. And that was my. Op- and you OD'd the first time the first you ever time. did it. Jesus. And then the guys who were homeless, who got you the heroin, who you did it with, called and saved your life. You saved my life. That's that's a crazy story, dude. Saved my I life mean, the very wow. first time. Wow. And like I said, the next day, the cop that was on the scene ended up coming to my house like the next day. Uh, and thank God my, my mom, my dad was out fishing. My mom wasn't home and uh, he came fucking ringing my doorbell. Fucking yeah. cruiser parked out front of my house the wrong way. Like, you know, lights on or anything. And he, and he just took me outside and started to talk to me. He's like, you know, like, like what the fuck, Glenn? He cared about you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what was what was that? Like, you know what I mean? Wow. And he's like, how long have you been into this shit? Like, and I, you know, I just, and I had told him the story. I was, just, I was a one-shot deal. He's like, I hope this wakes you up. What a great guy. Yeah. I mean, we had a, you know, out of police clothes, he was just a regular guy in the gym. Like, he was a hard worker. I was a hard worker. I was always yeah. high. I was very respectful in my town. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but it was, a, it was just a shock that, you know, he took the time to come by. And that was like the second red flag. Like, you know what I mean? Somebody that, that doesn't really know me that's, of you know, in the, in the law system is coming by and telling me, like, that road is, like, not for you, Glenn. Like, you know what I mean? That's not something you shouldn't be thinking about. Wow. Uh, but it didn't stop me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and you hear it all the time. And, like, you know, in meetings now, you hear about people overdosing, and I, I listen to people share, and, like, you know, and I, and I pray that that's the sign, and that's the one. But, like, no one for me, that wasn't the, that wasn't the time, you know? Um, and I continue to drink and I continue to, you know, to do drugs. And, uh, the very next time I did heroin, which was the following week, mm. you know, I sniffed it and I wasn't drunk and I had a couple of drinks in my system and I got, uh, I got not, I didn't get violently sick. Like a lot of people talk about, um, but I threw up a few times and, uh, I've heard stories from some of my friends, you know, that, that, that have done it with me, for, you know, after I was doing it for a while, they got sick and, and like never did it again. Like, you know, I didn't get that. I got, I got sick and I threw up, but I still had that, you know, it was that thing I was looking for to make me not feel mm. it, t- it made me sick to where I, like I said, I threw up, but it didn't make me deathly sick where I said, no fucking way. I'll never do it again right. because also I was sick. I was also had this warm feeling in my body yeah. and I also felt like there was nothing wrong with my life. Right. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. nothing wrong with my life, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't really anything wrong with it. But I looked at everything on the outside like there was something wrong. My mom and dad <clears throat> in their relationship, you know what I mean? Um, my mom used food as a way out. 
My dad used alcohol as a way out. Like, you know what I mean? They, he slept downstairs. She slept upstairs. There was never any communication at the dinner table. He would come upstairs and eat. And then after he was done eating, he'd go downstairs and drink. There was no, like, how was your day? Like, I, I know, I learned all the, the person I am to today is, is, is I've learned through going to meetings and through my sponsor. And, and I'm still not where I need to be. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Sure. But uh, I still struggle with communication. I still tr- struggle with talking. I still, you know, struggle with dinner table talk and feelings. But uh, I'm f- I'm a thousand times better than before because I had nothing to go by. Yeah, I had nothing. Right. You know, how was your morning, Glenn? How was school, Glenn? I never got any of that. No you know blueprint. What I mean? No blueprint. Yeah. Um. So my life just continued to uh, to be fun, but I incorporate heroin in my life. And uh, as fun as that can be. And, um, you know, my sponsor said it when I first, <laughs> before he even asked him to be my sponsor. And it kind of drew, it, 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 it drew me a, 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 like attention to him because it was so true. And he always spoke like from the heart. You know, my sponsor's name is Ozzy. And he always spoke the truth. And uh, I can remember before I asked him, he said at a meeting, you know, standing up with about 200 people. It was at uh, my brother's table in Lynn. And uh, I couldn't believe he said it. Like, you know, he says, I love getting high I love the way that shit fucking makes me feel and when he was saying that I could actually feel it like fuck yeah bro wow I do too yeah and then he finished it off with like but I can't do it because it fucks my life up yeah yeah you know what I mean I can't just do one and then that clicked as well like you know what I mean so I always say that now like right now I can tell you I can look you right in the eyes I fucking love shooting heroin I fucking love it I love the way that shit fucking makes me feel. Sure. It's so scary. You know what I mean? But I know what happens to my life. Yeah. You know, when I do it. Mm-hmm. You know, everything goes. Yeah. Everything that I've acquired will go will go instantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's the sad part. You know what I mean? But that's a beautiful thing though, because you know the disease that you have now. Yes. Like if you don't know that disease, then then you're going out, you're using and you're gonna die. Right. You know, so you know that that disease will will take you that that using is going to take you down. So you don't. I don't. But I can identify. I mean, I'm I'm you know with booze. Yeah, I fucking love drinking. Love it. Straight vodka, no burn. Right. Love it. Tequila, love it. Straight down the hatch. <laughs> Hot, warm in my hundred and fifty degree shed. Right. Right down. Boom. Love it. Love the way it makes me feel initially. Initially. And then it just ruins everything. Yeah. And for years, I never played the whole tape through. I never knew what they meant by playing the whole tape through. No. Nope. You know what I mean? It's always the first one, the first night, the first weekend. And, uh, and it, it makes sense. It, yeah. And uh, 30, over 30 detoxes, uh, f- you know, four halfway houses, multiple overdoses that every time I got clean and put 30, 60, 90 days together, I never played the tape through. I never knew what they really fully meant. Um, so I was using a lot and... Um, I had a really, everything was handed to me. Like, you know what I mean? My, uh, I got into a lot of trouble as a, as a kid. Uh, my sister worked in the courthouse. My sister, my other sister was a lieutenant in, uh, in Dartmouth. She was a white shirt in Dartmouth, correctional officer. Oh, okay. Um, I got into, I got into a lot of small little things. We're well, not so small. Like, you know what I mean? I, I fucking burnt the house down. <laughs> uh, and they got me on, uh, <laughs> I mean, 
this is like when I was drinking as a kid and using. Like, you know what I mean? We, we, got, uh, we broke into a shed in the park and we, we uh, got gas cans and my buddy almost lost his life. Uh, if he would have lit the match like three seconds earlier, like I would have been in the building. But he happened, he was in the doorway and I was walking by him on the way out when he decided to light the match and didn't realize 10 gallons of gasoline in a room is going to make an explosion. So he like blew him black. He uh, took skin off his face, his hands. Very lucky. Mm. Um, got that charge dropped. Uh, using, uh, uh, fucking purchased the gun at, uh, at 18. I got caught with, with a firearm. Uh, that got dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. No consequences. No consequences. Uh, no consequences. I did no jail time. You know, everything was like a, a one-nighter. Get arrested, get out that night, get bailed out. Uh, but the using progressed. You know, I got a really good job with my sister. I was working for a credit card company at the time, and um, I was making really good money, and... Uh, like the story goes, you know, using on Friday and Saturday, you know, turned into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, turned into Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now here I am with, you know, a, a tie and a nice shirt on and dress pants and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking shooting heroin on, on a Tuesday afternoon. Wow. And uh, I went into an office to, 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 to do a sales purchase and I had my sleeves rolled up at the time and I guess uh, I didn't clean my arm long enough and the girl at the counter says, oh, it looks like you got something red on your shirt. And I fucking, you know, I looked down and I had fucking blood on my white shirt. Wow. And I rolled it up. I said, oh, wow, I gotta clean that later. Nobody like caught on to what I was doing. Like, I, you know, they might have, but I didn't find out from anybody. So that's, that's how my life was. It was. Everything was a secret. Yep. You know what I mean? So, uh, and I had told my sister, that like they 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 knew my family knew and I told my sister that if I ever uh if I ever had an issue with like making it to work that was going to be the day that I'd go get help and uh and it just so happened like I fucking I, I pulled an all-nighter and uh you know through this whole story of mine as a kid I, I loved cocaine I loved smoking weed I loved drinking uh, I enjoyed heroin the most um, you know, when people told me like, you know, when you're doing coke, you can use heroin to come down. If you're too fucked up on the heroin, you can use a little coke to come up. So uh, eventually my, my drug of choice became a speedball, mixing the two. And uh, I can remember being up all night, one night. I was supposed to be on the road by eight o'clock and I just couldn't fucking get myself together. And um, I called my sister. And I kept that promise to myself, which was so crazy that if I ever said I had a problem with the job, because I remember she got me the job, her friend got me in, it was, you know, it was a really good paying job, and uh, I had some morals still left. So I ended up calling my sister, and I told her what was going on. She already knew. She didn't know how bad it was. So what they did is they got a hold of a friend. His name was Doug McLean from New Bedford. And he was like, um, he was like an NA guru back then. I think it was like the mayor's son or something. The Mary New Bedford back, okay. in, back in the day, you know? All right. And uh, she knew him, and she got a hold of him. And uh, they set up a meeting for the next night for me to go to. And I went to my very first meeting, and um, I, wasn't, I wasn't dope sick and had the, the crazy sickness because I was using, but I wasn't using consecutively day after day. I'd go two days, two days on, three days, one day off, three or four days off trying to get my shit together again. So that very next morning after I didn't make it to work, we went to a Thursday night meeting and uh, they knew I was new, obviously. You know when that new person walks in. Oh, yeah. But when you're walking with your mom, your two nieces, and your three fucking sisters. <laughs> family affair. The whole fucking family there. Uh, and she had called this guy and he had told somebody, you know, the greeting I got was phenomenal, wow, yeah. which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they all knew I was new. So before the meeting, during the break, after the meeting, everybody came up to me introduce themselves uh they gave me the just for today to read at the end of the meeting 
and I knew I found somewhere where I needed to be that night because when I just when I read the first sentence, I broke down. What is it? Uh, Remind just, me. Just not. I can't think of it right off the top oh, of my head. Okay. You got me on the spot yeah, right here. But no, sorry. No, just no. Just finding ways and use. Uh, you know, ways to use, and it, it relates to everything that NA. It's a. It's five sentences. Yeah. And, um, oh, okay. It's like the preamble in yes. AA. Something which like I that. Could for not NA. recite to you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. I, I <laughs> but do I a, love it. I do a lot of reading, but something. <laughs> some people could just read the the, the nope. readings off that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So uh, yes. It it you it hit you. I could relate to every sentence, yeah. and every time I try to say a word, I would it just the tears came came out more and more. And I can remember it seemed like forever for me to read that, like you know, them five sentences. And um, and like after I left it, I'm like, wow, like I, I fucking I belong in that place. It makes sense, yeah. And uh, from that first meeting, I, I ended up putting five months together on my own without going to any treatment, <clears throat> just going to meetings. Wow. Uh, I started to go to a meeting every day, like they told me, 90 and 90. Uh, got a sponsor. I asked that guy, Doug, to be my sponsor. Um, I didn't do the do it 100%. Uh, and my issue, as it was through the whole time of me trying to get clean and using and you know relapsing every time, is I'd get well, and uh, I thought I was all set. Like, you know what I mean? I don't really need to be here. You know, I started ironing my jeans you know, the, the gold chain came back. Yeah. I fucking yeah. put color in my hair. I was back in the gym because now I got fucking five months of not using drugs. So now I'm back on my six, seven days a week. Where is it? Ego. Where's the, oh, the yeah. ego came back. Yeah. My ego came back and uh, I- The fucking uh, ego, man. Yeah, I started to feel really good. I was like, you know, uh, eating really good. Uh, yeah. My car, the money started to pile up. And uh, they tell you, they, you get what you look for in Narcotics Anonymous. If you're there looking for recovery, you're going to find it. If you're there looking for something else, you're going to find that as well. So I can remember always being early and always staying late. And then before you know it, I'm going to meetings late. I'm breaking out early. I'm not talking with anybody in there. Uh, before you know it, you know, seven days a week, went down to five, down to four. You know, and exactly five months from the day that I first went to that first meeting, you know, I decided to go back out. And uh, it was a 10-year process after that. In and out, in and out. Uh, like I said, 30 detoxes, four halfway houses, um, multiple overdoses. And uh, every time I got clean, I had that willingness from day one. And then it slowly would subside. You know what I mean? The job became important. The girl became more important. The weights became more important. You know what I mean? Um, Jeez, you just could it's crazy. Like you knew. I and I you I, knew I how knew to what do to, it. I knew what to do, but I just couldn't keep it together. You know what I mean? And I'm very lucky that uh after all the ins and outs and ins and outs that I'm I'm still I'm still here. Yeah. Um and each bottom got lower and lower, you know what I mean? Uh and I figured that the next time I got clean would be the time I'm like, there's no way I could fucking do this again. You know, there's no way I'm gonna allow myself to do that again. And uh, everything I said I wasn't going to do and everything that you guys told me that was going to happen to me that they did if I continue to use, it happened. It happened. You know, y'all eligible too, man. You know, um, and uh, I really didn't believe it. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to let that take me that, down that road. And uh, it did. It did. Um, I listened to people's dark stories about like getting off in their necks and in their feet and in their crotches because they had no places to go. I wasn't the guy that had to do it for them reasons, but I found myself in a hotel room one night with some strangers 
And uh, the girl that I was with at the time, you know, she was fucking burnt out. All her veins were burnt out, and she used to get off in her neck. And uh, I'm like, fuck it, that's what I want to do. And I can remember being in the hotel with this girl I hardly knew and three other people, and I'm sitting in the bathroom on my knees, and I got they, the kids got a belt wrapped around my neck. And and I, I like, I almost like, there was a part of me for a, seemed like forever, but it was probably just a second that I wanted to just fucking get up and run. And I'm asking myself, like, how the fuck did I get here? Mm. But it was very quick. And uh, and they continue to do what they did to me. And uh, that's where I was. I was mm. fucking getting off in the bathroom with a stranger with a belt around my neck. Mm. And it wasn't because I had to. You know what I mean? My veins were perfectly fine. And, and that's like the, you know, the, them of the caliber of people I put myself around at the time. You know, nobody wanted to be around me. I did, there was not, there was... There wasn't, there wasn't enough. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Up for 11 days one time, 11 days, uh, you know, dissolution, seeing things, hearing things, you know, people's houses, you know, fucking I'm in a closet with a knife. The other kids out in the fucking hallway with a knife. We're putting chips outside of the door thinking people are in the hallway or outside fucking trying to get in. So he put potato chips on the outside of the door so we could see if he could hear the fucking crunch <laughs> from fucking people fucking walking in the hallway. He's got a can of Pringles. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? We're whispering back and forth. As funny as it is right, right now, it's really fucking not funny. You know, I'm leaving the house in like eight, nine in the morning and there's fucking Pringles on the floor after I start coming down just to make sure that they weren't out there. Like if we heard a Kringle fucking crunch, we were in big trouble, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and then going back into detox and going back into another, you know, six month program. I did great in programs. I did great. Sat up front. I listened. I graduated a few of them. Yeah. You know, I was good like when I was in places. Never had a dirty urine, never fraternized with the girls, never smoked in the bathroom. I knew I had I knew I had the discipline when it was time to put it together, you know what I mean? I knew it. But I, left to your own devices. But left to my own devices like when I left them places, you know, very shortly after. Mm. You know. The struggle Baffling. was real, yeah. Baffling. Yep. Catching a secondary illness, you know, I caught up with hepatitis, you know. I'm very very fortunate that uh that there was a treatment for that, you know what I mean, which I did a few years ago, which was very, was a very, you know, six-month struggle for me. But, uh, you know, after the first month, I, I came back undetected, you know. <clears throat> and I asked myself, like, how the, how the hell did I get fucking hepatitis? I can remember when I first started using, I would twist my arm sideways and, like, do it around my elbow so nobody would see the track marks. You know what I mean? I was afraid to do it where people could see the track marks. I would try to hide it. You know what I mean? Then eventually, I didn't care. I started shooting up in my, you know, right where you normally do, then in my, my forearm and in my, my knuckles and not caring, you know? And then, you know, going into detox and then going into these facilities and you learn around, you learn about HIV. Like, if you, if you know, if you decide you really need to share a needle, here's what you do. You, you take it and you, you, you fill it up with bleach and you square it all out. Then you take the plunger out and you wait 30 seconds. Then you put it back in, then you rinse it with water and you're going to be fine. <clears throat> And I can remember doing that, you know what I mean? Because one of the guys I was I was using with was uh, he had uh, he had HIV, and here I am, fucking one set of works, you know, in the dark, dark, dark places of my addiction, with only one set of works. I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, fuck it, you know, we got bleach, we got water. Like I knew, I learned all this shit. Okay, I'm gonna be fine, mm. you know. And then because uh, there was no bleach, so now I'm using rubbing alcohol to clear the works. You know what I mean? Now I'm too lazy to even look for rubbing alcohol or go get rubbing alcohol or bleach. So now I'm just rinsing off somebody else's syringe with water. Mm. You know, 
And then next thing you know, I'm fucking, we're sharing blood clots in the same spoon. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that's where it took me. It took me to a place where I was so worried about everything to a place where I just didn't give a fuck. Mm. You know, I just wanted that one more. Mm. And uh, and then with the things today that I share that, that give me strength to stay clean for another day because like I know I'm, I know I don't, I can tell you right now looking at you, I have another run in me. That's easy. I do. You know what I mean? It's easy. I'm sure you do too. We can go fucking sit down and we can fucking plan a week and you can drink your fucking tits off and I can oh, yeah. drink and go shoot heroin and shoot coke. I know I can. Maybe I might not make it the week, but I know in my heart that I don't think I got another recovery in me. Right. That's the scary part. Because in the beginning, it was easy to put together seven days, get clean for two months and then do it, you know, and then, then relapse and say, well, I can get them two months back together again. You know what I mean? But all the work I've done in this, you know, the 17 and a half years... You know, so it's a long time. Like, you know what I mean? It's I've, I've I've acquired a lot, and not even on the outside. On the inside is where I've acquired it all, some self worth, and and I beat myself up all the time because I'm still a work in progress. But considering where I came from, like I'm a whole different person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the thoughts of using don't come into my mind anymore. Mm-hmm. The thoughts of acting out with other things, obviously shopping, you know, sex, all different stuff like that. Obviously, you're always right there and up front. But to you is no, it's not there anymore, you know? Yeah. So I try to share honestly when I share at meetings from yeah. where I come from. Yeah. Because what attracted me to, to, to NA and, and to and to change my life was, you know, was downtown Lynn. I, I moved to down I came from New Bedford and I went to you know, I went to a detox and uh up in the North Shore and I went to a, a halfway house in the North Shore and I ended up in Lynn, Massachusetts. And I started going to meetings there, and uh, and that's where it was like really raw. People shared the truth, you know. I, I struggle with people that are very monotone, like you know what I mean. I, I I heard at the time it's a lot different nowadays, but when I first came around, I got exactly what I needed. People were like yelling, and screaming, and talking about like how dirty and how dark it was for them, and how much better their life was. So it had me on the edge of my edge of my seat because I could relate to what they were doing. You know, and I could relate to like, wow, I couldn't relate to the clean time they had or how they were keeping it or what they were doing to stay clean because my past record was, you know, in 15 years, the most time I ever put together was a year and it was never really recovery based. It was get better, get a job, go to meetings, stop not going to meetings so much. I had a sponsor. I never used them, had a home group. I never really got active with them. I had a higher power, but I never had a connection. All these things they tell you to really do and to focus on. I never really took full advantage of the program. I nickled and dimed it. Yep. And it took me to get to, to do everything I had to do to realize like my life was that important to change. It was time to like do something different because every detox I went, they asked me the same question. What's going to be different this time? You know, 30 something detoxes. Yeah. They ask you, well, what are your plans from here? You know, okay. Oh, wow. Your past record says, you know, you've been here four times already in the past three years. What's going to be different this time? And I always had an answer. Yeah, I was going to say, so what would you try and bullshit with something? No, I, I had an answer that I was going to go to meetings, that I was going to get a sponsor, oh, I that I was going to do the step Which work. Which you did. And I did, but I never did it fully. And when they asked me this last time when I went to this treatment facility, I said, I have no fucking idea. I got no idea what I'm going to do different this time. Because every time I've said I was going to do something, it, it, it backfired. Mm. So my the, the process this time was just to make it through detox. You know, seven-day detox. Yeah. Don't do any push-ups before you go get your fucking... Don't do any push-ups before they go do your vitals. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want your heart rate to be too high so they give you more meds because now you're cheating the system already. Oh. 
All right, don't smoke in the bathroom. You know, don't fucking try to fraternize with girls and pass some notes while you're there because if you get kicked out of here today, Glenn, you got nowhere to fucking go. There's nobody you can call now. Before you had some people you could have called and some places you can call. Now you're an hour and a half away from home. There's no one going to come fucking get you today. So there were some rules I had to follow. And lo and behold, like I graduated. I passed the seven days. I got off the methadone. They sent me upstairs for 10 days. Now I got a little bit more freedom. I'm not on medication. Same thing. Can't smoke in the bathroom. Can't talk with the girls. Got to participate in the groups. Pick up the papers when they're done. Greet the commitments when they come in. Participate in the groups instead of just sitting there and being upset. Try to enjoy where you're at and that you're grateful to be there. 10 days. Graduated. Made it to the six-month program. Same thing there. Some rules had to be followed. I said, fuck, if I get kicked out of here, I'm fucked. Look at my life. I'm in my mid-30s. I got, look what's going on here. It's the same exact pattern. You know what I mean? What am I going to do? Use again? And then what? Who do I call? Where do I go? What do I do? Start all over again? And every time I use, it could be for a week, it could be for three months, or it could be end up for a year before I got back again. You know? So uh, I graduated that program. And uh, ended up getting a sponsor. And like took full advantage of the sponsor, you know. Um, I've been working with the same sponsor the whole entire time. September will be 17 years I've had the same sponsor. It took wow. me nine months to get a sponsor. I was just, you know, checking out the scene. And uh, I've been working with the same guy. I've been through the steps four times. Uh, and everything I shared with him, I was nervous. Yeah. Very nervous to like, you know, because I never had a conversation with a man before. Before I met Ozzy. Everything was always like just just talking shop talking about the gym talking about girls talking about sex talking about motorcycles there was never any intimacy between me and another man ever mm -hmm. my father didn't give it to me i had no idea what that was like and i think a lot of my relationships uh failed because of that um great in the bedroom uh horrible at the dinner table uh and I calculated the time in the bedroom compared to the time outside of the bedroom. And the bedroom was a very small amount. The way I, the, the, sex is a very minute piece of my life. When you're in a relationship compared to the majority of what you normally do, going out for dinner, going to shows, walking down the beach, talking. I had, and I had no skills for any of that. And through getting in this process with my sponsor and him being a married man and being in a relationship and uh, him working steps, um, I got to follow his lead somewhat. I had to do it all on my own, but I, I watched like the married men in recovery, you know, and it took me years to get it. In the beginning, I was sleeping with two or three girls at the same time. My first year, I can remember celebrating my first year. I was on the phone with my sponsor an hour before the celebration, fucking crying, because here I am a year clean. I'm already with him a few months. I'm starting the writing process, and I'm already acting like an idiot. You know, at a year clean. I, I thought I was supposed to have it all together then. And he's like, you know something? You're right where you're supposed to be, Glenn. And you don't have to be doing that anymore. Today yeah. could be the last day for you to be acting that way if you want to stop it, you know? So through just, just the process of coming and, and being honest and, uh, and wanting more of this, I would step out on a ledge and I would share a little bit with him. And every time I shared something with him, 
like I thought for sure, like he was gonna be like, wow, like a fucking blown away. You know what I mean? He's like, no fucking way. I did that too, bro. And he fucking tell me his story about it and right. felt so, and I realized like I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And the more I came to meetings, I've heard other people talk about stuff and I realized like I wasn't alone, that people aren't gonna make fun of me for what I did or, or who I became through active addiction. That's not who I really am. The fellowship that you just talked about, you know, you say something to Ozzy that is like down deep and you think like you're humiliated by it. And he's like, I can, I been there, man. Like that connection is our building blocks to, to recovery, to learning how to live a, a life that's like worth living, confidence, being able to to pass on being able to teach with confidence i think that those the step the step work that you just talked about sharing sharing these things with a person that you can trust is like the smartest thing that's ever been come up has ever been like developed in mankind not the smartest thing but one of them because i know for me it's it's it was just it's just invaluable to have that because we all have shit, whether whether you're an alcoholic or an addict or an overeater or whatever, whatever you. Everybody's are. got something. But we did stuff to warp out to to change our way of thinking at some point to cover it because we were ashamed of it. So now we got to get it all back out and to be able to do it with with love, with the love of another person who can um understand where we're coming from is is priceless you know what i'm saying yes priceless and i the, love to hear that yeah, i be- love the, to hear that the beauty story. about my sponsor is like every time somebody says oh do you talk to your sponsor about that do you talk to your sponsor about that what do he tell you to do and like uh he doesn't tell me to do anything hmm. never yeah he just listens he listens and he supports me in any situation I've ever been in. And, and I've been in a lot of situations. I've been in a lot of jackpots clean. I got a war story clean, you know. Um, and to have a man to be able to tell you that he'll support you no matter what decision you make, if it's A or B, that he'll support you no matter what. But A doesn't really seem like a great idea, Glenn. You know what I mean? Take a minute before you think about doing A and really think about everything that goes along with that. And then think about your other options. And the beauty to have that without somebody. And sometimes I find myself giving directions to others. You know what I mean? Um, but I can catch myself. Instead of just like, you know, the hottest thing is, is to love and support somebody right where they are. And I always try to draw it back to, holy shit, I fucking feel great when I tell them stuff. Every single time I don't feel less than. I don't feel like I made a bigger mistake by like doing something different when I did that. And knowing how I feel every time I've told them, every time I got into a situation is what I try to do when other people tell me when they're in a situation, just to love them where they're at. You know what I mean? Not sugarcoat it. I love that. Not, you know, not pat them on the ass, you know, give them a little like of what they really need without pointing them away from their path and let them know like, I love you, bro. Like I'm here for you. And whatever you decide to do, like I support you, but I want you to really think about it first before you go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? Because there will be some consequences for you if you do that. You know, there's always something else. And I'll say, go call somebody else. Find out what they think about it. Get a different opinion. Don't always, don't always act out on on your first, you know, your first thought. And that was a huge for me in the beginning. I always act out on the first thought. 
They always told me to wait five minutes. Wait five minutes before the miracle. The miracle's coming in five minutes, Glenn. Put a, a thought between the space and the action. You know, and I catch myself dropping the ball all the time. Yep. You know what I mean? Saying things I shouldn't say, get into arguments I shouldn't get in, but it's a lot less than I used to. You know what I mean? I can draw it back in. I can apologize right away. You know, I don't hold resentments. I can, like, you know, forgive. You know what I mean? I know what the right thing is to do today. Sometimes doing the right thing is extremely, extremely hard. Mm. You know, very hard. Mm. You know, but the key on, uh, you know, having somebody in this fellowship or in life that you can trust mm. is like a blessing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, to be able to share my, I don't have any secrets. I don't have any, uh, I'm not holding on to anything anymore. Everything, you know, there might be some some things from my active addiction that I've did that, you know, weren't fully talked about, but I've covered it in a different area. Sure. You know what I mean? A different time with a different person in a different way. Um, I shared all that stuff that I was so afraid to share of because I've heard other people share it and it fucking helped me. Mm -hmm. And the person that shares it and you look at him like, no fucking way did he do that. Like, wow. And he's fucking telling my story and you got no relation with him at all and you never thought there was anything in common with him at all and he dresses different than you do he acts different than you do he's not a gym guy he doesn't have a good car he doesn't drive a motorcycle and you're listening to him and you're kind of like you know sometimes like you know my sponsor said it in the early in the beginning don't listen don't listen to the messenger listen to the message mm -hmm. Because I would put a persona on that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, right away, I would fucking deflect on everything they were saying. I oh, wouldn't I fully, see. I wouldn't fully take it in. Yeah. Because, you know, he fucking looked, he looked a certain way or he talked a certain way. You know, I was already judging him before I could get a message out of him. Yeah. I wasn't fully listening to the message. I was judging the character behind the table. And until I realized, like, I wanted to get the message that I could relate to people, it was the people that I thought would, could never help me are the ones that helped me the most. Yeah, well, it says, I know... And, and and this is awesome. I mean, wow, you have so much wisdom. I, I appreciate you so much. Um, but it reminds me of in my in the big book, um, they talk about how uh, the fellowship brings people together who otherwise would not mix socially. So like you just talked about, lawyers come together with janitors, come together with yeah. teachers, come together with garbage men. And although we've all arrived at different routes, we get the same thing. Same thing. You know, but if you uh, can be honest and open-minded, um, you know, that's the key. Right. That's the key. And that's, that is, that is being, uh, being honest is, uh, they say in our literature, is like the antidote to our disease thinking. You know, to, I agree. To, to be honest. And uh, it took me years and years and years. It took me years to be fully honest with my sponsor. You know what I mean? Well, I, no doubt. And I, I, I sit here and I say Out that. Out of fear. I'm just, just fear based on judgment. Yeah. Not realizing, you know, I didn't know him. I didn't, I didn't know what to share, what not to share. My first set of steps was half-assed. And when your whole life is based on fear and, and, and running and hiding the truth, I mean, how difficult is it to come yes. and tell the truth? Yep. And I sit here and we sit here and we say how honesty is awesome and stuff like that and there's probably some people out there saying fuck you like try and get honest in my world and i understand and right. i know you understand but once you do it and if you can find somebody you trust and you can just come clean it's 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 like a feeling that 
like no other. And yes. it just opens. It it takes it. It's like that open into the ball and chain right. of addiction and alcoholism. That was the key. Once I could start getting honest and tell those secrets that I had down deep, that was when that ball and chain was able to start to come off. Yeah. You know. Yeah, being honest is. Uh, I it's, was I was able to. I'm able to have by sharing honestly. I've been able. I've been able to build a connection with with other people. Um, and not only that, I've be, I've built a lot of empathy for other people because of the way I've acted and some of the things I've done and the feelings I went through. Like I know what it's like. Like I know what it's like for. Uh, like uh, I was the guy in the back of the room when I first came around. This time, um, you know, my first six nine months to a year when I was living in a halfway house, you know, twelve guys in the house. Always like having fun, talking shit. I wasn't fully committed to, I was fully committed to being clean, but I wasn't fully committed to, to doing the work. Yeah. So you go to meetings and you start making fun of people. You start talking about people. I'm up on the back wall. I share it all the time. I had my hands crossed, my foot up on the wall. I made sure my jeans were ironed. My fucking shoelaces were neat. My hair was perfect. You know what I mean? I was dressing up the outside and you know, I would listen to people share and I would, I would fucking talk shit about them. Like, you know, I would listen to their stories and because of the company at the time, I'm with 12 other guys that all have the same amount of clean time as I do. We all don't have a lot of work and knowledge of this of this program. So we're all trying to like impress each other. And in reality, that's not who I want to be because that's who I was the whole time. You know, I was in the back of the meeting and there was people just walking by me. The help was walking by me. And that's all I had to do was like reach out my hand and like tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, please peel me off this wall so I can get the fuck away from these guys and learn how to change my life. Because what I'm doing right now is just all fear. I'm just trying to fit in. So I would talk shit about the, the people that were sharing and, uh, you know, I can, I can, you know, this is huge for me. The, you know, the, the women that would share, you know, in the Lynn meetings or even in New Bedford when I was like in and out all the time, they talk about prostitution. You know, they talk about, you know, they're standing in front of a room full of 200 people and they're talking about like, you know, you know, prostitution for $20, you know, whatever they had to do for $20. And, you know, my friends are talking shit and, you know, here I am. I can, I can fully relate to where she is. My buddies have no idea that I can relate because I haven't got honest with anybody in the halfway house. That'd be the last thing I wanted to do. I haven't talked to anybody about what I did in my, in my, you know, in my addiction because I haven't got to that place yet. And I'm trying to listen to her, but I'm also trying to have fun with these guys at the same time. And I don't want them to think I'm a fucking square. So, you know, I'm making comments too. Like I wouldn't give that fucking girl $20. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like hopping on their bus. And in reality, she's talking to me. Because that's exactly what I did. I was a kid from New Bedford that hung out on 8th Street that was known for, men pro for, for male prostitution. I can remember the first night I hopped into a van. You know what I mean? It took me years to like to, to tell my sponsor and it took me years to be able to share it publicly at a meeting. But I realized when other people were doing it, I was too afraid to go say, hey, thank you so much for sharing that because I didn't want them to know that I was the same guy that did that. And I hopped in this van and, uh, and he put his hands in my pants and he took care of himself. And I asked him for $20 and he gave me a $10 bill and he gave me $2.50 in quarters. And I can still hear that sound of him ruffling through the cup holder for quarters to give me twelve dollars and fifty cents, you know, what I mean, I let a guy like put his hands in my pants and take care of himself. And when I got out of that van, like I started to cry. There was a tear that came down my eye because I put myself in a place I thought I would never, ever, ever put myself in for one more. And then before you know it, I fucking smiled because I was halfway there to the next one. Mm. You know, and 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 in reality, I wanted to tell the kid beside me to shut the fuck up. 
but I was too afraid that he was going to judge me mm. because, you know, I was, I was just, I was her, but I just mm -hmm. wasn't telling the story and how much she changed my life that night mm. and everybody else, the courage it took. And to, to be able to share that stuff honestly in a meeting, it gave me empathy for the person that was so afraid to talk about it that did, instead of just leaving the meeting, I was able to go up to, to somebody and approach them after and say, hey man, I can identify to, yeah. you know, to, to what you went through, bro. I know wow. what it's like. I know, I, know, like, I, I know the feelings that come along with that. You know, selling drugs in recovery. You know, these people talk about them, oh fuck them, this, that. Hey, I came, in the, I came into NA to get clean. Nobody said I had to get an A plus in the whole rest of my life right away. The only A plus I need is not to use anymore. My experience was like I had to fucking sell drugs and recovery because it was fast money. I did it my whole life. Why not do it clean? Now I know I'm working with a smart ahead. Like, you know what I mean? Until fucking, till, uh, until something major happened in my life and I couldn't sell drugs and recovery more, no more. And thank God I had built up a system of, uh, of network of people that when shit went down, I was able to call people instead of go ahead and use my right. product and got out of it. And I was able to share that, you know, a year or two later on what I did and what had happened. And the, the empathy that, you know, that, I, that people that share about it now, I can relate to them. They're not dirtbags. They're not scumbags. They're just trying to stay clean. They don't know another better way. I don't support it. I don't go up to them and give them a hug and say, hey, go sell another bag of heroin. Right, like you know Ozzy I mean? would have said, dude, you know, I'm not yeah. a big fan of plan no, A. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, 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 not a great idea. Why don't right. we try to do something different wow. tomorrow? Because of all my actions and, like, and how truthful I got with people, like when people share stuff, like I have empathy. Like, you know what I mean? I, I feel more for them. I'm not so cold and, be, you know, like, you know, I can remember the first time, you know, somebody said their dog died when I was early in recovery and this fucking guy's crying. And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? You know what I mean? It's your fucking dog, guy. I fucking shot heroin in my fucking neck. You're talking about your dog crying here? fuck's that all about like you know what i mean and that's what i'm saying inside of myself like oh my god i'm fucking rolling my eyes not realizing because i never lost a pet right you know now i'm a dog owner i can't even fucking think about it. i haven't even had this dog a year i can't even think about what it's going to be like if i ever lost this dog you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i had no empathy in that area because i had no idea yeah you know but over time i realized that even if i haven't been through a situation and somebody's hurting them fucking feelings are valid mm. you know what i mean because a lot of people haven't been what i've been through and they support me through it. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's good to like, uh, you know, try to be open-minded to, to you know, like going back to loving the person where they're at, you know, no matter what. You know, we, there's a lot of it going on, but there should be a lot more. There should be. You know, it, it falls short. You know what I mean? People are, are first to point the finger. You know, they, they, they judge. And I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. You know, I'm guilty of it too. I just know how crucial it is now, especially with... Uh, with all the fentanyl and all that other stuff that are going around that the person that comes into a meeting is very valuable. Like, you know what I mean? One day, two days, 10 days, 30 days, six months, they're very important. Like, uh, you know, they need to be loved. They need to be, uh, they need to be supported. They need to be held like after they share. They need to be approached if they're new. Uh, they need to feel welcome. Mm. You know, I'm sure you can think of a lot of people that aren't here today that would do anything. To, what they would give right now to, to, to be back sitting down or to be sitting in this podcast with you right now. Mm -hmm. I could fill this room up with people that I wish were still here. Mm -hmm. You know, especially, you know, once we get clean, we, we, we start building relationships and not everybody stays. and Not everybody survives. Mm -hmm. You know, I buried a lot of friends, for, you know, just from making one bad choice. You know, one bad decision, 10 years, 15 years, three years, you know, a breakup, you know, losing their job, 
not having that trust or that, or that honesty to tell somebody what's really going on to get the help they need before they go out and do what they do. And they don't have that, that, that chance again. The door doesn't always swing back and forth. Nope. Not for everybody. You know, so uh, every day is a struggle, but it's, it's, it's easier as, as you get time. You yeah. know what I mean? It's easier. Yeah, and you, know, and you learn you learn to handle things better. The life doesn't get easy. I'm not going to say that life's not easy. No, no, that's no, not what you're saying. No. I understand. Life's that. not easy. It's just uh, you learn how to uh, to get by things without using. Yeah, I mean, they say life on life's terms, and I wanted to punch people in the face when they said that because I didn't understand it. But life deals you what the universe is going to deal you on that day, and most of the time, it's not how you would want things to go right and clean and sober and living uh um a sober life where you're living these principles and you're honest and you're accountable and you're empathetic it just makes it a little bit easier to accept the things when they come that that suck right you know it's 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 not um you know, the shit fairy comes daily. What I learned too is like not to judge people by how they look. You know what I mean? Uh, people after they get to know me, they see a guy that works out full of tattoos and, uh, you know, they don't expect when I share to really expect what what, what they're going to hear. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I can relate to that. I got a lot of guys in NA that, you know, Holly, Holly dudes and my buddy Randy and, you know, big guy and uh, like I never expected to, to be loved by somebody like like he has you know 20 some odd years clean um i didn't expect him to hug me the way he hugs me every time he sees me like you know even from the beginning i wasn't expecting that i was just like wow this is weird and you wouldn't expect that then to hear him share with like so much compassion and so much love and that's not that's not him you know it is him now but it's because god and the fellowship is instilled in him that wasn't him you know back in the day you know he was a fucking biker he was a bar fighter you know, he did. He carried a gun around with him, like you know. What I mean, he was one of them guys, you know. And and, and he came around, and, and and it was it was it was pushed into him. So, you know, when when it was my turn for me to come around, there was some guys that were already doing this for a while that were able to feed me what I needed. Yeah. And that's what I do now. I try to feed myself. Uh, I got a very busy life with the gym. I got a beautiful two and a half year old daughter that keeps me really busy. Um, I've done a lot of work before this all happened, before the business started, before the baby came. Um, and I'm not making excuses, but I don't do as much as I, as I, as I used to do, but I built a huge foundation and, uh, I gotta, I go, I still go, you know, I try to get to at least two meetings a week when, you know, I don't sit home on nights that I, that I get out early. If I do get out early, I try to get to a meeting, uh, but my buddy Chelsea Bob that's no longer with us anymore, he, he always said, you know, he was an iron worker. But that's not what he told people he did. Like, they're like, oh, what do you do? He goes, I'm in the business of saving lives. And uh, I fucking loved when he said that. Every time we went out to eat, like, you know what I mean? Hey, what do you do? I'd be like, oh, I, uh, I, I work at FedEx. Or, you know, I, I work at uh, the soldier's home. Like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I'm in the business of saving lives. And he would it. say it stern, like, you know what I mean? Even though he was a big fucking massive iron worker. But that's what he does. He dedicated himself to, like, getting clean and helping the newcomer. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I do is I, I just get ready for like when I'm in a meeting that if I'm just sitting there or if I'm asked to share that if somebody new approaches me and is looking for help, that I've done enough work to be able to help them. And that's yeah. all it is, is all I'm trying to do is be able to help that next person that walks through the door. Cause at 10 years clean, when I walked into NA and my sponsor already had 10 years, he went through all this shit. 
the first five years he'll tell you was a nonsense and women and this and that. And he had five more years to get himself ready. He started doing step work. He got a sponsor. He learned so much about his life. And like I fucking ended up walking into Lynn with him with 10 years clean. And he was just sharing like he normally did. He was living like he normally did. He'd walk into a meeting. He'd get four or five hugs before he sat down. He'd On break, he'd get another five or six hugs. After the meeting, he was hugging everybody before he left. I'm like, wow. I'm just looking for one fucking hug. My dad never fucking hugged me. My dad never hugged me. You know, once I got, my dad passed away this time when I had three years clean. So I was able to give it back to him. But uh, he told me he first loved me when I was 22 years old. You know, his hat was twisted sideways. He was drunk. And my mother always says, Raymond, you never tell your son you love him. And I can remember his head bobbing. He's like, you know, I, I love you, Glenn. Like, you know, that's the, like, that's when he said it. But when I got clean and I realized what it was like to hug another man at a meeting, like the, you know, the way I felt when I went to go see my dad, I would fucking hug my dad. And uh, it was so, I could feel the awkwardness in him. Like, you know what I mean? When I I'd do. see him or when I left, it'd be so awkward. But I did it every time I seen him, you know, before he passed. And they got softer and softer and softer. And then all of a sudden I had like a kiss on his cheek. You know what I mean? And he'd do the same to me. You know what I mean? So that's like, it's just tremendous from what we had from before as a child. Like he, he got a little bit of, you know, sympathy and, and like touch from his son in a loving, caring way that he probably never had his whole life. Wow. And I never got from him. And I was able to go take it. Wow. I, I made it happen. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, I just wasn't waiting for him to do it because he wasn't capable of it. Yeah. Wow. He, didn't, he didn't know any better. He didn't know anything else. Like, you know, so I was able to give it to him, you know, wow. which, was a, which was truly a blessing. Jeez. Truly, yeah. Another gift. Another gift. Another gift. Dude, it's an hour. Wow. <laughs> I could talk all day. Yeah. I, I mean, wow, really. You know, you have so much, so much to share, really. And um, like you said, this is this is what we're doing. We're trying. I mean, we're sitting here right now with the hopes. Just help him. Maybe one person will hear this. One person. You know? One person will hear this. Um, and... Um, and that's that's what we do. Um, you've been taught a lot, and you have a you have a good way of of expressing it. I don't right. know if you know that, but Thank you, you. you you have a. It was really 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 great to hear you. I love you. I love you. And if anybody's in Lynn on a Friday night, my home group is uh, thirty three Spring Street. Uh, my name is Glenn. Uh, you can just ask for me. If I'm not there, somebody can get a hold of me. I'd love you to come down. And, uh, hopefully, you heard this and, and come come to a meeting. Come introduce yourself. Thank you. All right, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Love you, brother. Love you. All right, bye.
awesome, dude. You got it? Dude, you were... That was really... Good job, babe. Thank you. <laughs>